Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today, you are listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon titled, The Anchor of Our Hope. And he comes out of Romans chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. So there was this little teeny pygmy that was standing over this huge rhinoceros that he killed. And this guy came up and this guy said, did, did, did you kill that big, ferocious hippo- hippopotamus? Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I did. He, it wasn't a hippo, it was a rhinoceros. Yes, I did. Yes, I killed it. And, uh, and he said, I just don't understand. How in the world can this little teeny pygmy kill this big, huge rhinoceros? And he said, well, I killed him with my club. He said, your club? He was confused. He said, how big is your club? He said, eh, they're probably about 100, 150 in my club. Mm. First service is so much better than you guys now. So much better. Been praying. And they, God's been working on them, but I didn't intend y'all to go backwards. <laughs> no, here's the deal, right? Here's the, he was able to com- complete an unbelievable task because he found a group of people that were like-minded and they were focused on a mission and they were able to take care of an attacking rhino that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do. And so the church is a lot like that. And don't miss this. The church is not a club. The church is not a building. The church is a, uh, it's a family, a group of individuals that are pursuing God together. And they're seeking to reach and love others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. If you got a Bible this morning, open it up to the book of Romans chapter 15. For many weeks, we've been walking through Romans verse by verse. And when we came to chapter 14, Paul, the guy who wrote Romans, is sitting there and he's saying, it's amazing the things that you guys allow to divide you. I mean, there are some essentials, right? There are some non-negotiables. You know, Jesus is the only way to be right with God the Father. Salvation comes through faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. That the Bible indeed is God's word. We can talk about some others. But what he is saying is, there are some things that you guys get divided over that's just foolishness. That are non-essentials. And he says, you ought not allow that to happen. That instead you should focus on the key, which is Jesus saves. And so that is unity that happens within the church. He starts talking about that in chapter 15, that there is great beauty in unity, that here is God, and we're all different, we're all unique, that God in his great variety said, I'll make this one like this, and this one like this, and this one like this. And then he brings us all together under the grace of Jesus Christ, and he says, now you're the body of Christ, you're the church, be united together to win the world. And so that's kind of where we pick up today. Look there with me in verse 7 of Romans 15. Therefore, he says, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. He's talking about the Jews there. So, so he, has, he came for the Jews It'd be a great time to say amen if you're a Jew. He came for the Jews. All right, we have a few Jews in here with us today. Fantastic. To confirm the promises made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So he came for the Jews. He also came for the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, that'd be a great time to say amen this morning. All right, I want you to say you got to be in one and two camps. All right, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. All right, if you're not a Gentile, you're a Jew. So look at what he continues to write there. He, he, he now starts using some Old Testament scriptures. 
And he's basically saying that just as Jesus has accepted the Jews and the Gentiles, that you and I ought to accept them as well as the body of Christ. And he uses four scriptures of the Old Testament to prove that Jesus not only accepted the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And this is in the Old Testament. Look at what he writes. As it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. Now, if you don't know what root of Jesse means, Jesse was King David's father. And so the lineage of Jesus Christ came through David. And so here, when he says the root of Jesse, he's talking about Jesus. So Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. So you see what he does? He covers everyone. He, he appeals to the Jews saying, don't forget, he came from the lineage of David. He came from Jesse, right? And don't forget, he is king of the Gentiles as well. Now, Today's message is going to be a short, simple message. I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you don't already know, okay? This morning when I came in, uh, when I was trimming my beard up this morning, you know, I, I nicked myself just a little bit and had a little bit of blood on my neck. And I walked in and one of the guys said, uh, hey man, what happened to your neck? And I'm like, ah, man, I was, I was uh, thinking about my sermon and I cut my face. And, uh, and he said, well, you, you, you should have thought about your face and cut your sermon. That, that'd be a good thing. But uh, mm, appreciate that encouragement right there, right? Today, we're going to look at these words, and we're going to look, first of all, at two messages that he has to every individual. And then we're going to talk about a brief message that he has to the church. We're not going to be here long. Well, I mean, maybe longer than you're thinking, but first of all, the message to the individuals. Jesus receives the rejected. Is there anybody in this room today? Is there anybody outside of this room watching television or online or listening through our podcast who is suffering from the pain of rejection? According to what the Bible says, I've got great news for you today. The Lord Jesus Christ opens up his arms to you today and he says to you that while everyone else may reject you, I accept you. I receive you is what he says. Look in verse 7. He says right there, receive one another just as Christ also received us. Our worlds are so defined by rejection. I mean, maybe when you were in kindergarten, you, you didn't get picked in kickball. You were rejected. And then you got into high school and you asked somebody out on a date and they said no. And you felt rejected. Or maybe you even asked somebody to marry you and they rejected you. Now, just a little sidebar here. Just some advice for some of our younger singles. I would make sure you kind of knew what the answer to that question was going to be before we get that far, but it does happen. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm the one up for the job. I'm the most natural choice, and you didn't get the job. They rejected you. Maybe you had a proposal, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. Your company did, and they rejected you. Time and time again, all throughout life, we feel rejection. Every day and in every way, there is always rejection out there in the world. But the good news, according to what the Bible, God's Word says, is that when you come to Jesus Christ, He will never, ever reject you. He accepts you. Now, I want to show you how Jesus relates to us as sinners. So if you're here this morning and you're not a sinner, you can take the day off. This is only for sinners. The first way that he relates to you and I as sinners 
is he seeks out sinners. In fact, I want you to listen to what it says. This is Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. Now, that's Jesus. They drew near to Jesus to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. Now, I don't want to speak on your behalf. And I don't know about you, but I'm forever grateful that Jesus receives sinners. Because I am one. I'll go out on a limb and I'll say this. I think you're probably eternally grateful as well that he receives sinners. Because if he didn't receive sinners, he never would have received me. And if he didn't receive sinners, he never would have received you. That I've got a sneaking suspicion that everybody in this room, that everybody that's listening to me, whatever your age is, wherever you find yourself in life, we all long to be accepted. That nobody sits there and says, oh, no, not me. I want to be rejected. I don't want to be received by anyone. Except what happens is we develop this fear about us. Well, if they know the real me, they won't accept me. If they understand who I am, if they know my past, if they know my failures, if they know uh, the little personality quirks that I have about me, no, i got to do everything I can to hide all of that. Because if they really knew the real me, they would reject me and not accept me. Friends, I want you to hear something today. You don't have to fear whether Jesus is going to accept you or to reject you based upon him finding out something about you that he doesn't already know. The Bible says this. The Bible says that he knows us better than we even know ourselves. While you may have things hidden in the closet that no one else knows about, past failures and past mistakes, he knows it all. And he still accepts you. Not only does he know all your past failures, he knows something that you don't even know. Your future failures. You're like, well, I don't think I'm going to have any future failures. <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> see, see, we have this idea, well, well, if he gets to know the real me, then he's no longer going to be accepting. He's no longer going to receive. Yet scripture says he sought you out. You sinner. He knows all your past. He knows how you're going to fail. He knows your future mistakes. And yet he accepts you. You say, well, why? Why does he seek out sinners? Because secondly, he saves sinners. He saves us. You say, well, who does he save us from? I had somebody ask me that not too long ago. When I'm like, hey, sir, can I ask you, are you saved? He goes, well, I didn't know I needed to be saved. Who do I need to be saved from? And the flesh was like, you sorry, rotten dog. I'll tell you, you're going to hell right now. And I, and I didn't. I didn't. You'd have been proud. I said, do you know who he saves you from? He saves us from ourselves. From ourselves. And that's what he wants to do today. He wants to save you from yourself. He saves us, right, from this eternal destiny of separation from him. He saves us from ultimate eternal rejection, which is what you and I deserve. And he says, we're to be just like him. I have people from time to time, they ask me, they's like, I mean, you know, man, how do you know so much about the Bible? Please hear me. I don't know anything about the Bible. I had a guy one time and he was very sincere, very sincere. He, he, he was a new Christian. He said, hey, hey, what do you do when you run out of material? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's talk about the Bible. The Bible is a living document. It is a living word. I'm never going to run out of material. Okay. Um, but guys, hear me, and I say this, this is an honest statement, okay? And Jennifer's like, don't say that you say an honest statement, because they're going to think if you don't say that, then you're saying dishonest statements. Okay, I don't, yeah, I get that. So, I learned more 
in preschool Sunday school than I ever learned in Bible college or seminary or working on a doctorate or anything along those lines. Some of the most profound things I learned in preschool Sunday school class. For instance, I learned the story about this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And we learned a song that taught us the story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... If you know it, feel free to sing. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord passed by that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Somebody at the first server said, well, we, that's not the way we learned it. I'm like, you learned it wrong. <laughs> but stop, let's chew on that just a little bit. <laughs> here is, here is this rotten little white collar criminal. He's an extortionist. He's robbing from folks. He's stealing from the vulnerable. Now, had I been Jesus, and by the way, let's just go ahead and clarify, thank God I'm not for myself and you. Had I been Jesus, I would have come along and I would have said, hey, Zacchaeus, been looking for you. Know all about you. Heard how you steal from everyone. Heard your rotten little man. Come on down. We got some business to tend to. I'm going to go to your house. We're going to get things right. He didn't do that though, did he? He knew all that. You're like, well, if he knew all that, he would have said it. Oh, don't rob him of his divinity. He knew it. And yet he said, Zacchaeus, come on. I'm going to go to your house. Do you know what that indicates? Here's this rotten guy, the dredge of society. And Jesus said, I want to have a personal relationship with you. Because here's what Jesus knew. If Zacchaeus is ever going to be changed, he's going to have to meet me. And notice this, Jesus doesn't flesh all this out. All right, you need to do A, you need to do B. He goes to his house, he develops a relationship with him, and then all of a sudden this change occurs within his life, and then the next thing you know, Zacchaeus is there, and Zacchaeus is saying, I'm a changed man. From this moment on, I mean, I, I'm going I'm to return half of all that I make to the poor. And if I've robbed from anyone, and he had... I'm going to return to them four times what I robbed from them. You see, a lot of folks are there and they have this idea and you might even be one of them. You know what? I'll just clean myself up and when I clean myself up, that's when I'll come to Jesus. I just got to get some things straightened out in my life. I've had folks tell me that over 30 years of ministry. There's some areas I need to work on, right? There's some wild oats that I need to sow. I've had young people say that as well. But when I get all these things taken care of, when I take care of myself, when I get myself clean then I'll come to Jesus hear me you'll never come to Jesus because you can't clean yourself if you think that you could clean yourself then basically what we are saying is you know what God the price that Jesus paid the agony that he suffered the death that he did on the cross it was unnecessary because I'm good enough, I can clean myself up. That did not happen. That did not happen here with Zacchaeus. What happened with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, who was accepted by Jesus, was changed because he met Jesus. I believe Zacchaeus may have some cousins that are in here today. Still up there in your tree of pride or up there in your tree of unbelief. Based upon the authority of God's word, he's calling out to you. He knows your name. 
He knows all the disappointments. He knows everything that you've done. And here's what he says. I receive you. I accept you. I want you to know me. But friend, listen to me. When you come to Jesus, he'll start changing you. I want to do something this morning, and I know a lot of you hate when I ask you to do it, and that's the reason why I ask you to do it. But I, I want you to turn right now to the person on either side of you, and if there's nobody next to you, turn around to the people behind you. You don't love Jesus if you don't do this. And I want you to say this to them. I want you to say it out loud right now. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Go ahead and do that. If you're watching by television, do it with a guy. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Oh, you ain't got to have a party. You just say it and we can stop right there. He does. Did you know that? He does. Honestly, I don't know that we can say that about any other relationship. But Jesus loves you just the way you are. But I want to say something else to you. And you don't even have to say this to your neighbor, okay? Jesus loves you too much to leave you as you are. He does love you just the way you are. He accepts you. He says, come. And then he says, I love you so much, I'll change you. Mm. In other words, you come to Jesus as a sinner. But ladies and gentlemen, you can't, come, you can't stay that way when you come to him. Why? Because he saves and changes sinners. And if there's anybody that's listening to me today and you're like, you know what, I've experienced rejection. Come to Jesus today, I promise you, you'll not experience rejection from him. He says, I accept you. I receive you. But then look at verse 13. Let's continue on. We didn't read that earlier. Verse 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus receives the rejected, but here's the second word that he has for us as individuals. Jesus provides future hope. We've talked about this here before. Uh, we really... It, the word hope and the meaning of hope, the definition of hope, it gets lost on us. In our culture, hope means this. It means something may happen or it may not happen. We say things like this. Uh, I have a test. I hope I pass. Or some of you, you know, are like, hey, uh, I hope the Knowles win tonight. By, by the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Something about the Seminoles and their kickers. I don't know what it is. I hope, I hope he says yes, or I hope she goes out with me, or, uh, or I hope I finally meet somebody one day that I can marry. You're just not sure that it's going to happen. I heard a true story. It happened at uh, Iowa State University many years ago. They have a bookstore there on campus. Iowa State traditionally has not been a football powerhouse. They'll have a decent season every now and then. But this was back when they weren't quite that good in football. And the bookstore decided they were going to try to encourage the football team. And so the very first game of the season, they were playing Kansas. Kansas is pretty good this year, but Kansas is a basketball school. You know what I'm talking about? And so they knew they were supposed to beat Kansas. So they, they, they put up a huge banner that said, kill Kansas. And they lost. The next week, they were playing Washington. They were supposed to beat Washington as well. But they put up another banner, not quite as big as the first one, that said, whip Washington. And they lost to Washington. The next week, they were playing Nebraska when Tom Osborne was there. And they were a powerhouse. Some of you remember that in football. And so for the very third week, they didn't put up a big banner, or even a medium-sized banner. They put up a little banner in the window of the bookstore. And here's what it said. Maintain dignity against Nebraska. <laughs> right? Maintain dignity against Nebraska. Uh, you know, could we, don't get hurt against Nebraska. I don't, you know, I don't know. What they were saying is this. This is a hopeless situation. 
We, you know, I don't even know why we're playing this game. There's no way that we are going to win. Our football team is truly that bad. Well, hear me, friends. In the Bible, the word hope means this. It will happen. If you ask somebody, when you die, are you going to go to heaven? Well, I hope so. No, 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 no. Man, that's way too risky of a way to respond. According to Jesus, you can know so. Why? Because hope is certain. Hope is sure. The book of Titus, it's a little bitty book, but it's a great, great book. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it talks about hope. Look at what it says. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's what it's talking about. It's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. You may believe different than I believe about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We don't have to break fellowship over those things. As long as you believe he's coming back again, don't worry about the specifics. And as long as I believe he's coming back again, let's not worry about the specifics. Instead, we will agree, indeed, he is coming back again. This is, again, one of those verses that says he is coming back again. It's not that it may happen or it might not happen. He is coming back again. It's going to happen. So a good biblical definition of the word hope is this, a positive expectation. I'm expecting it to happen and I'm positive that indeed it will happen. And the Bible says this, Jesus is our hope. Sometimes a doctor will come into an emergency room. Maybe you've been there before. They walk into the ICU and they say, you know, things, things really aren't looking that good. But their vital signs are getting a little better. We have hope. You see, what they're doing is they're saying, we have signs of life. And so we have hope. I'm not saying it's wrong for them to say that in that situation. Here's what I'm saying. That's not what the Bible is saying when it uses the word hope. The Bible says this. Where there's hope, there's life. Not where there's life, there's hope. But where there's hope, there's life. And the hope that he's talking about is Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says, Colossians 1.27. In Colossians 1.27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, what? The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, what happens is when you trust Jesus as your Lord, you become a follower of Jesus Christ, then Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. It's not delayed. You don't have to wait for another blessing. At that very moment that you go from death to life, from hell to heaven, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, and that is the hope. It's not something that might happen. It's not something that might not happen. It is something that is absolutely going to happen. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. He is now Lord of your life and he takes up residence in your life. And Jesus is hope. And the Bible says where there is hope, there's life. There is life. And yet we live in a world where there's so much hopelessness out there. We live in a world where there's so much rejection and so much disappointment. I receive a lot of letters and emails, I'm sure you can imagine that. Several years ago, I received a letter. Had no return address. Had no last name. I can only assume by the content of the letter that it was written from a young lady. But here's what she wrote. Dear Pastor Kyle, can you help me? My life is a mess. My parents fight all the time. I don't think they're going to stay married much longer. My friends at school are all into drugs and drinking, and I joined them to fit in. 
There are other things that I've done that make me feel rotten about myself. She says some other things. Here's how she ends. I've thought about anything at all. Does God care? Does anybody care? And she signed it, Mary. I don't know if that were, was her name or not. So I just want to say this today to everybody in this room, everybody that will be watching this outside of this room, I want to say this to all the Marys and to all the people who are out there who feel like it's not worth going on because everything is hopeless. You're like, I have no hope. I put my hope in so many different things and I keep getting rejected. I keep getting disappointed. I'm here to tell you there is hope and it is found in Jesus Christ. And today, if, if, if you feel like, well, I just don't know what's going to happen to me in the future. I don't know how things are going to shake out. I don't know what it's going to look like. Jesus said, here. Here's hope for you. Here. It's in me. And that's the message for individuals today. If you've been rejected, Jesus says, hey, I'll never reject you. I'll accept you. I'll receive you. Come to me. If you're here this morning, you're like, I'm so concerned about the future because I don't think I have a future with any hope. Jesus said, here, take me. When you take me, there's hope. But then he gives a little brief message to the church. What does he say to you and I who are part of the body of Christ? He chooses to work through his church. How does he work? Well, it's kind of like what we just talked about there. First of all, the church, we're supposed to demonstrate the acceptance of Jesus Christ. Remember what we said? Jesus received sinners. So how are you and I to respond as the very body of Christ, as the church? We're to receive sinners as well, right? We're to have open arms and we're to have open doors to anyone who comes to seek Jesus Christ. Remember I told you that just about everything that was important that I've learned in life, I learned in preschool, Sunday school. I mean, come on, you remember, it was 10 minutes ago. My goodness, do you remember? Okay, all right, I just want to make sure. There's another song that we learned in preschool, Sunday school, that is so profound. Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world, red and yellow. Now, I don't want you to sing with me on this one. Now, it's me, okay, me. Red and yellow, black and white. Now, you can sing. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I've been thinking about doing a kid's CD, maybe raise some money, pay off these buildings, and we're getting ready to build a new building. You know, we're going to come to y'all and spring that on you because we need you to give. And, and anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, Hear me. Not only does he love the little children all of the world, different colors, he loves the big folks as well. I'm telling you guys, profound. Those of you that don't take your kids back there to the preschool ministry and let those grandmamas start loving on those babies, teaching them about Jesus and singing those songs to them about Jesus. You're like, I'm afraid they won't do well if they're apart from me. And yet they're sitting there saying, I want to be apart from you. <laughs> it's not them, it's you. And that's okay. But my goodness, I'm just saying, I learned these things before I ever even went to school. Because some little old ladies dared to teach me the love of Jesus Christ. They're not just watching your kids, they're ministering to your kids. Don't rob them of that, okay? I know you think you're protecting them, but my goodness, trust them. He loves everyone. He is accepting of everyone. And so as a result of that, we are to be as well. Hey, guys, we can't even claim to be the body of Christ if we don't have open arms and open doors to anyone that is seeking Jesus. 
We can call ourselves a uh, religious society. We can call ourselves, I don't know if you want to call it, we can call ourselves a religious club if that's what you guys want to do. But we can't call ourselves the body of Christ if we say no to anyone who comes to Christ. Whatever they look like, whatever they've done in the past, whatever their history is, if they come seeking Jesus, we open up our arms and we embrace them. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. And that is the beauty of the unity of the church. We've talked about this. We're all so different. We've come from different backgrounds, right? We have different looks and different convictions. But then we come together and we all love each other. And we open arms to all people. And that's when the beauty of unity is seen in the church. And that's what God wants to do here. Hear me, Scripture says this. You know how they'll see Christ? They're not going to see Christ in the flesh. They're not going to, I mean, again, God can do whatever God wants to do. God will never do anything that contradicts His Word. Chances are they're not going to see Jesus manifest in the flesh. But the Scripture says this. You know how they'll see Jesus? Mm. Through you and I. through those that proclaim Christ, that we are to demonstrate His acceptance because that's what He would do. But then there's a second kind of a commission, a work that He gives us as the church, and that is to deliver His hope. The church delivers His hope. Remember what we said just a few moments ago? Jesus offers hope. And there's probably some folks in this room or even outside of this room, I'm blown away by the number of folks that all over the world that watch our services and listen to our services. That just shows the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we see folks and hear from folks all over the place that trust Christ through this little ministry here in Panama City, Florida. So whether you're in the room or you're outside of the room, it could be that today you're saying, all right, I need some of that hope you're talking about. Where can I get it? I'll tell you where you can get it. You can get it at Highland Park Baptist Church, 2611 Highway 231 North, Panama City, Florida. When a person comes to our church who is in need of acceptance, will they see the acceptance of Jesus? When a person, when they're living a life that seems hopeless and they come to our church, are they going to find a group that says, hey, let us tell you about the one that gives hope. Let me tell you about the one that changes everything. Let me tell you about the one that while he knows who you are, still loves you and will receive you and will change you. If they don't find that when they come here, then we can't call ourselves the body of Christ. We're not a church. We're a lot of things, but we're not a church if we don't, if we don't exhibit that and show that to them. I believe we do. I believe we are the Panhandle Hope Store. Matter of fact, I think we ought to change our name. Panhandle Hope Store. Wouldn't that be good? It costs a lot of money. You have to rebrand and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Maybe a business meeting next week. We'll think about it. You know, you go to a shopping center. You go out to Pier Park. You can find everything in the world. But most of you are, are, are you're just like, I don't even go out there. I just buy it online. Yeah. Some of you are like, I never leave my house. By the way... <laughs> That's creepy. (laughs) You need to leave your house every now and then, right? You can buy anything in the world online, right? We have packages that show up at our house pretty regularly. And some of you do as well because I drive by your house and I see it out there. And I call me, I just want you to know you got a couple packages on your front porch. Yeah, 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 Tom, the UPS guy. We've gotten to be really good friends. He just wanted me to let you know, get your packages off the front porch. 
But you know what you can't buy at Pier Park and you can't buy online? A bag of hope. Some of you are on Amazon right now. You're seeing, aren't you? Now they'll send you something, I can promise you, but it ain't going to be hope. No bottles of hope. No bags of hope. No, hope is something that can only be given by those who have it. Who've experienced it. We're to be hope-filled, guys. If there's anybody out there that ought to be preaching hope to our world, it ought to be those that know Jesus. I love the story I heard about this, this guy who went to this Little League baseball field and there was a game going on and he walked up to the back of the Little League dugout and there was a, a little boy sitting there on the bench and, and the guy said, well, hey, 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 what's the score of the game? And the little boy said, 18 to nothing, we're getting beat. And the guy said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sure you, you probably are really discouraged and disappointed about that. He said, no, mister, why would I? We hadn't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, church, I'm like you. I look around the world, and I see all the pain, and I see all the suffering, and I see all the disappointment, and it would be so easy for us to get drawn in to where we're like, it seems as though there's no hope in this world. Can I remind you the church hadn't even gotten up to bat yet? And we know the score. Well, I don't know that we know the score. We just know we win. I got a feeling with Jesus is going to be a skunk. Some of you don't know what that means, but. Mm. The place that you find hope dispensed is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We stock it, we supply it. You're like, I'd like to buy some. You can't. Because we don't sell it. We don't sell hope. It's free. All you have to do is receive it. Why? Because we preach Jesus Christ is our hope. And he offers hope. I'll close with this. Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Now, this is an interesting story. Back in biblical times, before they had the technology to dredge out harbors, so big ships could enter up into dangerous little harbors. What would happen is the ship would come in, and then they would take one little sailor, they would place him down in a little rowboat, and then they would very carefully lower down the anchor, which was tied to a rope, to the boat. And they would put it in that little boat, and then he would row that anchor in. And then he would find very secure rocks and he would lodge and jam that anchor into those rocks to anchor the boat that was outside the harbor. Even though the boat was outside the harbor, they knew that they were safely anchored in the harbor because the anchor was there. And then obviously what they would do is slowly they would take the slack out of the rope that was tied to the anchor and then they would pull the big boat into the harbor. Do you know what they called the guy that got in the little rowboat and carried the anchor in? They called him the forerunner. Had nothing to do with Toyota, okay? <laughs> they called him the forerunner. Well, going back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, here's what the Bible has just said. Jesus is our hope. Jesus also is our rock. And he also is our anchor. And there are some folks here, and if you had to be honest, you would say, my life is a mess, man. It's just a drift. And I'm just kind of floating around, and my life is blown about by every single little wind, by every fad that comes along. My life is blown around by every new little thought that comes, back, comes out, and every rejection and every disappointment. And you're just being pushed, you're being blown about. And what you need is an anchor for your soul. 
Jesus is the anchor. Hebrews 6 tells us this, Jesus entered the sanctuary behind the curtain. Many of you Bible students know this. It's talking about the holy of holies. And it says this, that Jesus, who went before us, you know what that means? Do you know what the original language says? He's the forerunner. He's the forerunner. The very same thing that single sailor did in that little boat with the anchor, Jesus is the forerunner. Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, here's what that means, guys. Obviously, right now, we're not in heaven. You may feel like it, but I promise you, we're not. We're on earth. But Jesus Christ has already safely anchored our soul in heaven. Like, 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 like the ship, it's not yet in the harbor. But they didn't worry. Because the forerunner took the anchor and they're secure. But Jesus says, I'll just, I'll just ratchet it up a notch. Y'all understand that country lingo? I'll just ratchet it up a notch. Not only will I be the forerunner, I'll also be the rock and I'll be the anchor that is attached to the rock. You're like, what does that mean? You ready for this? He does it all. It's not that profound. I told you, so, so simple. It's so simple. Now, with that being said, I want to ask you this question and we'll finish. Promise, I'm not even kidding now. What is your life anchored to? What is your life anchored to? There are some of you in this room, here's what you would say. You would say, you know what? My life is anchored to Jesus Christ. If you were to ask me today, hey, when you die, do you know that you'll go to heaven? I could say, yes, I absolutely know that I'd go to heaven because you know what? I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and he has changed me. I'm different than I was before Jesus. Hear me, friend. If today you're exactly the same as you were before you professed Christ, Jesus, as your Lord, if you're exactly the same, there's been no change in your heart, which leads to a desire change, which will eventually lead to my behavior is going to start changing as well. You'll never get it perfect, but my want to is changed. If that's not there in your life, can I, I just want to say this. I don't know what you're anchored to, but it's not the Jesus it talks about here. Jesus accepts you, and then he changes you. But there are some of you that would say, I know that, I know. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. Without question, without doubt, I am anchored to him. First of all, praise God for that. When's the last time that you took the time to just say, thank you for saving me? Thank you that you accepted me, because not only was I a mess, I'm still a mess. But thank you, Lord. So the message for you is this. Are you demonstrating his acceptance? Are you delivering hope to this world that is hopeless? Are you one of those that are like, I know, it's just a mess. It's terrible what they're doing up in D.C. It's horrible. Are you one of those that says, you know what? Anything you put your faith and trust in besides the rock and the anchor and the forerunner, you're going to be disappointed in. There are some of you here today, here's what you would say. Well, if I had to be honest, I've kind of I've anchored my, my, my life to my, my career or my job. Or I've anchored my life to maybe a relationship, whether it's your husband or a friend or children or whatever the case may be. I've anchored, some of you would have to be honest, you would say, I've anchored my life to my hobby. Well, no wonder. No wonder life seems hopeless. Those things can never deliver what you need the most. Only Jesus can. What have you anchored your life to? I can tell you what the future will be. Unless it's anchored to Jesus. Great disappointment. Great pain. Great rejection. It doesn't have to be that way though.
Mm. Where are you putting your trust? Would you bow your heads with me today? Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Could you just ask yourself that question? Where's my life anchored? Where am I putting my trust? If it's not in Jesus, I want to invite you this morning. Go ahead, make that decision. He led you here today so that you might ask that question, so you might examine your own heart. He led you here today so that you might hear me say, Jesus will receive you and Jesus will save you and forgive you and then he will start changing you. Not my model, it's his. There are many people in this room that are evidence of that very fact. We call it salvation. And I'm telling you, he offers that and he offers hope and he offers more than we could ever begin to explain to you. Today, how about you come to him? Trust him. Those that are watching online, right now the prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would reach and grab hold of your heart wherever you may be. Whether you're in your living room, whether you're in your car driving down the road, whether you're at a workplace, wherever it may be, that the Spirit of God would grab hold of your heart. And that you would turn to him. You're like, well, if I were there in the service. Oh, you don't have to be in the service. You know somebody that knows Jesus? How about you turn to them and say, you know what? I'm ready to trust in Jesus. I've trusted everything else and I've been let down. But I call upon the name of Jesus today. And that's where my hope now lies. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. Uh, this is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida, and we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www. Dot Highland and it's H I L A N D Park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him. Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.